Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Lecture 2, Matthew 6, 27-34. It's the kingdom. Well, first off, good morning to you. Preachers and deacons, we definitely appreciate being here in the Lord's house and what God has done for us. I want to take a little bit of time and I want to take some time to uh, teach this lesson, but I also want to do it interactively as well. But I definitely want to take, take the time. I, I believe this is an important one. And uh, well, actually, I I know it's important because the Lord gave it to me, right? That's, that's how it works. But uh, so basically the whole world right now, if you follow the Sunday school book, is in Hosea. Everybody's going through Hosea. And I don't, I don't want to go through Hosea if that's okay. I want to go through Matthew chapter 6. Uh, it's, it's really one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. And that's saying a lot because there are so many different um, chapters in the Bible, so many great writers who wrote uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit or with the instruction of God himself. So, so many great writers wrote uh, their particular pieces of this Bible. 
And I really like what Matthew says. And this to give you a little background about Matthew. Matthew has one of the most beautiful Gospels inside of the Gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, I want to pose this question. And I guess we can stay here for a little bit um, for the next couple of weeks, I, I suppose. I want to pose the question, what would the Gospel be or what would be the message? That's how we're going to say it. What would be the message of the New Testament if it only contained Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Right? And that's a powerful question. It's an extremely powerful question because it, it forces us to actually know what's going on inside the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these, these four Gospels that tell one Gospel. And so we can, we can kill that. Uh, discussion right now, though we could spend a full 16 weeks talking about what exactly is the gospel, and which we will do soon, I suppose. However, it takes these four writers to talk about one gospel, but the church leaders accepted four gospels to tell one gospel, and that in itself is powerful because the gospel obviously has its meaning which you guys know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to Scripture. So that's, that's definitely it there. However, I'm very interested in Matthew's version on today because I want to pose this question again. What would the message of the Bible be if it only contained Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And I think that's powerful because what would it be? Because you can, we can no longer say uh, justification by faith because that's, that's Paul. Right? That, that, that's, that's Paul, not all of Paul's writing, but that's specifically Paul's writing in the book of Romans. So, we, we, you know, we, we, we couldn't say uh, salvation in the way we, we like salvation to be said about, you know, uh, uh, only by faith. Because that's, again, that's justification by faith or only by scripture. All this is Paul. What about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? So it's a great question. I hope we'll, we'll answer it in a little bit. But what would that question be? What would the answer to that question be? What was Jesus doing? What were the writers doing that Jesus was, what were the writers saying Jesus was doing with this coming? Please, go ahead. If the writers are telling us that we can know that Jesus died and rose again, stop judging and, and to be obedient to God's word. Right. He set us an example. And, and once we, we receive God's example, mm -hmm. you know, to teach us all, all things. Jesus come teaching and, and, and preaching, you know, and proclaiming us repent. Mm -hmm. To let us know where we were and where he want us to be. Amen. That's absolutely correct. Like, a thousand percent correct. And, and, and in fact, and I love to play devil's advocate. And there's no way I can absolutely rebuttal anything you just said because that's absolutely correct. And I love how you started off. Don't uh, cast everything on him. Right. And so that is exactly, and you said much more than that, but I want to highlight that because that's what I want to talk about today. Look, cast everything on him. So without a doubt, Jesus came to earth at least according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to definitely express, you need to cast all your worries on me, Amen. all your problems on me, all your sins on me, cast them on me, and the writers show how 
with his sacrifice, everything was casted on him, and he died because they were casted upon him, and he rose again because the Lord forgave what was casted upon him and allowed for him to rise so we can rise. There's a passage in the Old Testament, it's case my memory right now, but it's, uh, it's in the book of Leviticus, it's in the Levitical law, about the what we now call the scapegoat. And so they would sacrifice one goat and then send the other goat off into the wilderness, so to speak, outside the city limits, so as if that, those, that goat would carry the sins outside the boundary, escape, yeah, outside the boundaries. And if it would come back in, they would go, and no, no, you go back out type of thing. And, of course, Jesus would ultimately become our scapegoat, our scapegoat. In the end, and this is definitely where we get our term in, in the English language, the scapegoat. But here it is. So one thing we can definitely conclude about what would the message be if it was only Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is without a doubt, Jesus says, cast everything on me. Now let's read. The oh, did, did you have something to say? Because if no, okay, that, yeah, go ahead. God said, "This is my beloved son. Mm-hmm. Hear ye him." Amen. Right? Exactly. You know. So, so even cast your listening right. on him. Right? So, he, he, everything about Jesus Christ, God wanted you to cast it all to him, and that makes a lot of sense, and we'll prove this here biblically in a second. Let's start off at verse 27. Uh, I'll be reading from King James, and and it's it's such a beautiful passage. Which of you, by take Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? I mean, look at the, 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 the profound statement. This is Jesus talking. Jesus, let's set the stage here for a second. Jesus is, he's doing this Sermon on the Mount. This is a famous Sermon on the Mount. This is why Matthew is so memorable. Because the other authors, Luke, uh, Mark, uh, you know, as far as synoptics goes, they say things. Matthew tends to say them exceedingly well. Blessed are they who thirst after righteousness. You know, Matthew says a lot of memorable things, and this is one of these passages in this case. And he, Jesus is talking now, some scholars would say it's over a three-day period. Some would say he's on a hill, but actually the text, some would say he's on a mountain. Either way, Jesus is talking for an extended period of time, and people are gathering unto him. Now, that's not my point, but let's just stop and pause for a second. Wouldn't this world be a better place if people would gather unto the man speaking about Jesus Christ? Amen. <laughs> Amen. The world would be a better place if we would actually pause and gather unto wherever Jesus is. But we love to gather unto our football games, our job and things, but we don't quite gather unto Jesus Christ. Now, back in your generation, the church was the center of the, 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 the community. And so you weren't, doing, you weren't doing anything unless you were doing church first. Amen. But now my generation, we don't do it. The church is nowhere the center of the community. I'm the center of the community. I'm the center of the world. And everything revolves around me. And if I have some time left, then I'll think about the church. That's, that's about how. And then, now that I'm there, if I have some money left, then I'll think about tithing, right? Things like that. So, so here it is. Jesus is talking to these people. 
He's trying to tell them how to live this, this life, this blessed life, not the blessed in which they think, but a different kind of blessed life, the one that's truly blessed. And he tells them, listen, which one of you can even add a bit of height to your stature? Like, can anybody out here grow right now because they want to grow? Can, can, any, can you add anything to who you are? Can, is it possible to think yourself to something greater because you're thinking about it? No, there's a different way. And watch what he says in the next verse. He says, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, now let's just pause for a second because here's what he said. And, and I love how beautiful that is. He said, listen, now, why even worry about how you're going to eat? Why worry about your left up? Why worry about the things you don't have now? Look at the flowers. Amen. The flowers aren't straining to grow. The flowers aren't straining to be pretty. They are arrayed because the Father arrayed them so. They grow from the ground because the Father has already supplied everything that the flowers would need to grow. Now let's think about this for a second because this is where it becomes powerful. And this is, this is where it becomes extremely powerful. And this is why I want to bring this lesson out to light today. When you think about it, let's think about everything the flower needs to grow. Every bit of nutrient. The Lord provides. It's in the ground. But now that we mentioned ground, you can't grow a flower without ground. Amen. The Lord provides that too. But you can't just put a ground anywhere. You need to have it on some earth. The Lord provides that too. Amen. But the earth just didn't exist out of anywhere. The Lord provided that existence as well. But let's not forget about the seed that the flower needs to even become into existence and be pretty on the outside or above the ground. The, at first, it had to be a seed underground. The Lord provided not only the underground and the seed, but then the ability for the seed to die and rise again. I'm going somewhere with this, right? Because there's that seed dying and then rising in resurrection style in the same manner in which we will. So here it is. Everything. Oh, we didn't even mention water. The, the very life of all things on planet Earth. The Lord provides this water. And the point Jesus is making is all these things I just listed, the flowers did not stress over how it was going to happen. And that's powerful because, and then he brings up a human being response. But look at Solomon, all his wisdom. He wasn't even as beautiful as the flowers. While Solomon may have been wise, he still had things he had to worry about. But the flowers never stressed about growing because they just know that God will supply the increase. Now, isn't that powerful? Because here we are, we're worried about our bank accounts. But the flowers don't worry about their bank accounts. Now, that's not to say flowers actually have bank accounts, but they need things in order to survive and grow. In the same manner do, does humans. And this is what Jesus is trying to bring across. Why worry when you can't add one single cubit to your statue? You sound like you, you got something to say? You, you, okay, okay. And so, and so here we are. Jesus Christ is telling people that, that the flowers don't even strain to grow. And that's the one powerful God you have there. Amen. Because let's think about what it would take 
to be God in the source or in the respect of just the flower itself. In order to be God and control the flower, you would have to first make sure every star in the sky is still in the sky. Because if they fall, well, then they just mess everything up, right? If they get too close, they mess up some gravity and stuff. But then you would have to make sure that the earth keeps rotating in its particular rotational pattern or the tides wouldn't even respect, water wouldn't respect its boundaries anymore and it wouldn't be any flowers because everything would be underwater. Then you would have to make sure that you're answering all the prayers of all the other human beings who are worrying and then you would have to make sure that the sun is shining and all these things. There's so many things you would have to be doing and it's easy to forget about the flower because the flower to us it's not important. It's important to make sure that the Earth's gravitational pull is in correct response. It's important to make sure that the sun stays exactly where it should stay because if it moves a little bit closer, we'll all burn up. It's important to answer prayers of people in Baghdad and people in Iraq. It's important to make sure your heart is beating correctly. It's important to make sure water is respecting its boundaries. And it's easy to forget about the flower. Now, 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 let's think about that for a second because think about all the things that God's doing because it's not just the flower. It's important to make sure that, that, that frogs have what they need to eat and that cows have what they need to eat and that humans have what they need to eat. And then while this flower is living, it's important that God takes care of his son, Jesus Christ. It's important that everybody who's listening about this flower have their heartbeats are, are beating regularly. They have something to eat. They have a place to live. They have a place. They have breath in their life. It's important and it's easy to forget about the flower when you're being God over everything else but aren't you glad that no matter how small your existence may be that God will never forget about you no matter how many prayers he has answered this morning when you pray to him he'll never forget about you no matter how insignificant your people may tell you that you may be no matter how insignificant people may tell you you're next to the queen of England or the president of the United States God says that's my flower and no matter how insignificant that flower may be I will make sure it grows and has everything it needs. And wouldn't we be so proud to know that God loves us so much that he has never been so much of God that he's forgotten about us. And that's powerful. That is extremely powerful to know that included in God's gospel in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if, if nothing else existed, at least we would have the proof to know the New Testament would say that the Lord would never forget us. That's part of the gospel. Part of the gospel is saying, I know that you're stressing over some certain things. However, in your haste to stress, you as the lily of my field, I will still make sure you're beautiful and array. But here's the powerful thing about Matthew chapter 6. Jesus didn't come here. To just talk about a flower. Amen. He didn't come here to tell you how beautiful the flower was. Let's keep reading in verse 20, uh, 29. No, tw 30. Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And that is what Jesus came down here to tell us. That's what this gospel, not in full, because it's more than the gospel. We're going to prove this over the next couple of weeks. But this is at least what Matthew chapter 6, 27 and 30 through 30 is talking about. He says, 
all the wonderful things I just said about that flower, all the wonderful things I just said about how the grass doesn't have to strain and grow, and all the wonderful arrangements of how I told you how God has to be God and all these things, he did not forget the flower. Then Jesus says in verse 30, now if God does that for a flower, imagine what he'll do for you. And that just gets me excited. And I don't need 1,500 people in the church to get excited with me to get excited about that. If I know God would take care of a flower in that manner and still say, if you think you, I love that flower, imagine how much more I love you. Because when I have been down to my down, when I've been down to my last, when I felt like the whole world left me out, when I felt like everybody was against me, God came to me and said, son, I know you're looking at the flower, but I love you more than the flower. And aren't you glad that God does that? No matter how old we get or how young we are, God still loves us since the first day he created us. Loves us so much to where he died for us. There is a wonderful point in which God says the flower is beautiful, but how I feel about you, you're even more beautiful than that. And that's powerful. It's amazing. And so then he says in verse 31, therefore, take no thought. And here's the main point, what I wanted to come to saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Whether withal, what shall we be clothed for all these things? These Gentiles do seek for your heavenly father knoweth that they have all of these things. And the favorite verse, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things shall be added unto you. Now that's going to tell you how to keep your character together to qualify for some stuff you keep asking for. And watch verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, and ain't that beautiful? Amen. Let's, let's, let's break this down in plain English. Basically, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own problems. You, you take heed in today. And then he says in verse 33, listen, I, he says in 32, listen, the, the Gentiles, these people who are outside of me, the people who don't know better, they worry about stuff. For you people who know better, you, you shouldn't worry. For, for you people, out, for those people outside who don't know the power of my name, who've never been delivered from the exodus like I did for you, who've never been delivered out of 400 years of uh, slavery, who, who, who has never seen me split the Red Sea, who has never seen me split rock for Joshua, who has never seen me turn over the fleece for Gideon, who has never seen me put Ruth inside of my family and she's an outsider, who has never seen what I have done to everybody who has come before who's never seen any of it, let them stress but you who've seen don't worry Amen. now here's where we end basically how has been killing us God has never sent us down here on planet earth he's never he didn't tell you to wake up this morning and stress about what you don't have and, and, and so this and I'm afraid that this is a gospel that we don't preach. We're, we're, we're so concerned and consumed with telling you about escaping hell's fire. But what's the point of me making you escape hell's fire, but you live on hell on earth 
<laughs> you going through all this hell on earth just to go to heaven. No, 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 no. No, I can get you, I can fix the quality of your afterlife, and I can also tell you what the Bible says about your quality of your now life. And you can have a better quality of life if you just don't stress. I know it's easier said than done, but the truth is Jesus Christ says, listen, don't worry about those other things. Those things have nothing to do with why you were here. And here's why you don't have to worry. He's not telling you don't worry because you don't have to. He's saying don't worry because you really don't have to. Because God is still God whether you worry or not. My Amen. father is still going to make sure you eat. This is why you could be unemployed for three years, six months, and 23 days and still not skip a meal. Because right when you're ready to give up, our God will show up. Amen. There's this wonderful story that I love to tell about this young kid named Malcolm. Malcolm had autism. Malcolm had Autism, and just like any other child with autism, every now and then, a child's brain can lock on something during autism, and he's be what you call an autistic savant. Amen. And in this case, Malcolm's mind locked on ships. He knew everything about ships. He knew the dimensions of them. He knew how they worked. He knew how to build them. And one day with his father, Malcolm built a ship with his own hands. He loved this ship. This ship was beautiful. Malcolm built this ship and he put it out to the lake and then one day a strong wind took the ship away and his father saw it and Malcolm saw it and this young autistic boy cried because he lost the ship that he built with his bare hands. He ran to the father. Father, I've lost my ship. And the father said, well, sons, Sometimes when you love something, you have to sacrifice it. Amen. And a few days later, as they were walking into the town, they walked past an antique store. And lo and behold, little Malcolm, the autistic young boy, saw his ship in the window for sale in this antique shop. He looked at the father and said, Daddy, that's my ship. They went inside, told the, 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 the attendee over the cash register, Sir, this is my son's ship. And Malcolm said, Sir, this is my ship. Matt, please have my ship back. And the attendee said, the attendant said, Well, young man, I, sir, I'd love to help you, but you're going to have to buy this ship back. The father went inside of his pocket and purchased the ship. And this, gave the money to the, Malcolm, the son, and the son purchased the ship he made back from the attendee. And as they walked out the store, Malcolm, with tears in his eyes, said, Ship, I love you twice as much now. First I made you with my own hands, then I bought you. Amen. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done for us. He made us with his own hands. God made us for who we are, who we can be, and then he bought us on the cross. Amen. And if he got himself up and went to the cross, the least we can do is get ourselves up Amen. and get out of bed. Let me pray for you, Lord. We thank you that we are no longer stressing about the day. 
God, we thought that worrying about what we don't have would bring a better result. But to seek you and the righteousness of you, everything that we worry about will be added unto us. Because grass does not strain to grow. Flowers do not strain to eat. And the same manner in which you take care of them, you will and have already been taking care of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world. Not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as... It almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions. $22 an hour. Paid training. And I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True. But it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter. And that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there and that's why you need zip recruiter you need it so you can find the right candidates now it's not that zip recruiter helps you find jobs it's more accurately that zip recruiter takes your culture takes your job takes what you're looking for and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate and if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to Apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review, and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year January 1st my friends soak up everything I said it's not an ad this is a personal testimony 
of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.